Welcome to this ASVO podcast on irrigation management. This podcast is part of an ASVO series looking at current best practice in the vineyard and winery and what's on the horizon. Irrigation. For many vineyards, it's their lifeblood. However, the question of how much water to apply comes down to a balancing act between quality and yield targets and budgets. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and getting the most out of each irrigated drop requires understanding everything from careful system maintenance through to the analysis of data from soil probes, plant sensors, and long-range forecasts. Doing this successfully is part of daily life for Christy Bartrop, Viticultural Technical Manager at Casella Family Brands. To find out what it involves, she joins me in the ASVO studio. Christy, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Christy, you work in New South Wales in the Riverina. What sort of area are you responsible for? So my area covers just over 2,900 hectares of vineyard in production. That's a huge amount of area. And in the Riverina, irrigation is your lifeblood. So you are the right person to really talk to about irrigation. So why is it so important to maintain irrigation infrastructure? As much as we have a lot of hectares of vineyard, we need every vine to be performing. So you want to have a system in perfect order when you start the growing season. So it's August at the moment, so we have to make sure our system is perfectly clean, ready for bud burst, which is going to happen in the next few weeks. And we need to make sure that the system is clean and ready to go. That involves either a chlorine or a peroxide clean and then we do pressure checks at the end of each row to make sure that the irrigation runs are all working to the system specifications. We also make sure that all of our sheds are in full operation. Sand filters have had any sand replaced if they're um, getting a little bit older. So there's lots of lots of lots of maintenance to be done. That has to be done before we have the growing season. We also do it at the end of the season. Then throughout the season as well, we always do little spot checks to make sure that it's performing as it's supposed to. Well, Christy, any decision around irrigation is about obviously maximising what you get from the crop, but making that decision to irrigate can also be a particularly expensive one on a very large vineyard such as yours especially. So how do you decide when you need to irrigate? Yeah, so we have a network of soil moisture probes that are located across all of our properties. We'd have close to 100 now. That gives us an indication of where our soil moisture levels are sitting. We use those to understand how much moisture the vineyards need and that work helps us to work out how long to have the irrigation cycles run for. And I mean, as well as the weather forecast. So if we're in for a really hot spell, then we make sure that we keep the moisture up because we know that there's no way we're going to catch up if we don't keep on top of it before heat. So we look at the soil moisture probes, we check what they're telling us. So we make sure that the vines are never in a state of stress. They always have abundant water for them through the growing cycle. It also comes down to dollars and cents, doesn't it, in terms of what you're paying for water at the particular time? Yeah, that's right. So water price fluctuates massively between different seasons based on availability. At the moment, water is trading 
between $100-$120 a megalitre. That can change overnight as allocation announcements are made. So as an irrigator, you're constantly watching those allocation announcements to see whether you're going to have enough water or what the price might be to be able to buy some more. Then from that, you can then help to make your decisions. But you do have to ration ration your water supply based on what your target is, on how you're going to be able to support financially that decision to irrigate. Essentially in the Riverina, there's just no scope to not irrigate. If you are looking to create a crop, you do need to irrigate. It's just about how do you make those decisions to make it more affordable, like timing of water purchase or having enough of permanent water entitlement so you don't have to worry about chasing that. Lots of decisions need to be made around that to make it a financial uh, decision that's a sound financial decision. Christy, you're pointing out very much that irrigation is an expensive business, not just in terms of the infrastructure, but buying the water in. I imagine very much part of your irrigation program is keeping one eye firmly fixed on the sky. So forecasts must be very important to you. Absolutely. Weather forecasts are critical. So it is a lot of crystal ball gazing to be able to figure out whether we're in for a hot or a dry season. If it's hot and dry, we we kind of bank on that. That's probably what we're going to have. And you work out approximately how much water you're going to need to be able to survive that. And then, yeah, you really just have to try to ration what your supply is to be able to get to the end of the season with with a healthy crop. It's a difficult game to play and it can get very, very expensive if you make the wrong call at the wrong time. So it's critical that when you've got such an expensive asset like water that you're trying to use in your vineyards, you do need to make sure that your irrigation systems are delivering it nice and even so that every vine gets exactly the amount of water that it needs and not too much and not too little. That's Christy Bartrop from Casella Family Brands. So how do you know how much water your vines really need? This is a key area of research for Dr Vinay Pargi, a senior lecturer in viticulture in the School of Agriculture, Food and Wine at the University of Adelaide. And Dr Pargi joins me now. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Drew. It's great to be here. Vinay, firstly, what factors affect how much water vines need? That's a great question, Drew, and I get asked that a lot uh, by the industry. One of the key determinants of the amount of water vines need, in fact, for that matter, any crop, is really the environment. You know, the vine is uh, interacting constantly during the day, during the night with its environment. And when I say environment, it really is the weather conditions influenced by regional climatic patterns. You know, a grapevine growing in the limestone coast would have a very different response to its environment compared to the same variety, for example, growing in the Hunter. And I think these differences in environment are something that really fascinate not just viticulturists because of the challenges in managing those grapevines, but also people who enjoy wine. These are the basis of terroir, if you will. So the vine along with its environment are actually something that go hand in hand and the amount of water that you actually apply through irrigation really is a function of of the environmental conditions that the vine is experiencing. That's first and foremost, obviously. The soil plays a big role in terms of the amount of irrigation that you require and the amount of water that the vine needs. Generally speaking, the soils that tend to be sort of lighter and well-drained examples would be sort of a sandy soil or a sandy loam soil 
that you might find in, in some inland regions along the Murray would be fairly well drained and the amount of water that you apply and how often you apply that water would change and, and would be quite different to, for example, a much heavier sort of clay loam soil that you might find in some of our other uh, well-known viticulture regions. It's a sort of dynamic interplay between the environment and the sort of properties of the soil and the movement of water within the soil that ultimately influence you know, how much water the vine has access to and how much then you would apply as an irrigator of that vineyard. Vinay, I understand you, you talked about you know needing to understand that interplay. I understand that there was a recent research program in the Riverland which really honed in to actually how much the vines were using. That's right, Drew. We recently completed a, a two-year project that was funded by Wine Australia and Riverland Wine, looking at a warm climate region, obviously, and a couple of different cultivars of economic significance, Shiraz and Chardonnay. The industry was particularly interested in understanding uh, whether we were applying appropriate amounts of irrigation to those cultivars in a fairly warm climate. The recent results that we got were quite surprising to us as well in terms of the amount of water these vines need and, and when they need water based on different phenological stages or growth stages. So early in the season, we were finding that both Shiraz and Chardonnay wines were using in the order of about 20 to 25 liters of water per vine per day. That may seem like a lot to people who probably don't work with vineyards, but that's a number that actually just goes up. So as the vines develop their canopies and we get towards Varaison, which is the onset of ripening, we found that these vines were actually then using somewhere in the order of about 30 to 35 liters of water and sometimes even up to 40 liters of water during those heat waves. You know, again, going back to that initial point about the environment influencing the amount of water the vines use, the 30, 35 liters of water per day in a fully established canopy with a full crop, that can increase by 15 to 20% when you have some of these extreme weather events and specifically heat waves that can increase the amount of water that's needed by the vines. So some pretty staggering numbers, uh, even for us, but we were able to use some very innovative techniques to quantify those irrigation volumes that would be required. And we were finding that growers were in general responding well to those heat waves and applying more water. But certainly the amount of irrigation that was going on to these vineyards was quite often less than the vines were using. So the vines would have been under a slight bit of deficit irrigation, if you will. Vinay, what's the least expensive tool a grower can use to manage their irrigation? Drew, that's a great question. And, and what's interesting about this is that the least expensive, as you, as you asked, method to quantify the irrigation requirements in a vineyard also happens to be the most effective and efficient method. And that's based on, on a few years of research that we've done, not just in the Riverland, but also in the Limestone Coast. And that's based on the amount of water that's removed from a vineyard. So that's something we know as evapotranspiration-based irrigation scheduling. So essentially, that's the total amount of water that's been lost from a vineyard through all sources from which water can be removed. So that's basically bare earth, so evaporation from the surface of that bare soil, transpiration or uh, water removed from various vegetation uh, that may be planted in your vineyard. So those could be cover crops or native grasses in the interro area. And then most importantly, obviously, the grapevine itself. So the vine itself is transpiring. It's actually moving water out of its leaves. All of this can be quantified. And in fact, that quantitation of water loss from a vineyard through all these sources can be estimated using very simple information from uh, weather stations. So there are a network of weather stations across uh, Australia provided by uh, the Bureau of Meteorology. As well, growers have automatic weather stations on site. 
A number of these weather stations already report evapotranspiration, this ET value that I was describing earlier. And this value can be used in conjunction with uh, the development stage of the vine and, and specifically the leaf area, how big those vines are in terms of leaves and how much light those leaves intercept. Those numbers, ET from the weather station, as well as uh, this leaf area estimate, which we call the crop factor, can be used to calculate something called a crop evapotranspiration. Now, this crop evapotranspiration is really the number the growers would need to estimate how much uh, irrigation to apply. So just an example of that would be if you've calculated a crop evapotranspiration of five millimeters of water for the given day, a full replacement of irrigation would be putting on five millimeters equivalent of water into your vineyard. In practice, this is quite different. Growers tend not to replace 100% of the water in, in most vineyards anywhere in the world. They would probably replace something in the order of 70 to 80% of that number. So something like four millimeters a day. And premium vineyards that are looking for higher quality production, uh, premium vinifers, particularly for red varieties, might be irrigating something like 40 to 60% of that value. So they're applying this level of so-called deficit irrigation. So just to give you some sense of how good this method is, if we compare evapotranspiration-based irrigation scheduling from our own research with methods that involve just you looking at a soil moisture sensor value or looking at historical levels of irrigation in vineyards, we're seeing that this ET approach to schedule irrigation can save a grower anywhere between 40 and 75% of irrigation over a season without any losses of yield or quality. And these are in premium vineyards producing, you know, $19 bottles of wine. So we can imagine that the, the benefits would be even greater in terms of these irrigation efficiencies in vineyards that are, are cropped more heavily, for example. So we really like this approach. It works really well and it's really low cost, something in the hands of, of any grower anywhere. Vinay, you make the point very clearly there. It's simple, low cost, very accessible and, and some remarkable gains there. I think you mentioned 40 to 70% in some instances. Vinay, what though if growers want to go a bit further in terms of applying technology to measure this a little bit more accurately? Yeah, so there's, there's a number of things that are on the market. One of those historically has been available for a long time, at least several decades, is soil moisture sensing technology. Now, soil moisture sensing technology, I think, has pervaded most vineyards anywhere in the world. And certainly in Australia, there's been a pretty massive uptake of soil moisture sensors. And for a good reason, they're fairly easy to install. They're fairly easy to interpret the data. Most growers in any crop would know what the soil moisture value coming in from these sensors means. It's usually a volumetric water content, a percentage of soil moisture in the, in the ground. And some of them report other metrics that relate to soil moisture availability, like soil tension or water tension. So these sensors are fairly accessible. They're easy to install. Um, they're not necessarily cheap. This is maybe one of the drawbacks of these sensors. And in many cases, they require, I would say most cases, they require calibrations for that specific type of soil that you have in your vineyard. So the numbers can't be used absolutely directly or at least reliably unless they've been calibrated. And uh, once they've gone through that step, then the interpretation of the data is actually fairly simple. And the response to an irrigation or a rain event is actually quite clear. You do see a soil moisture change upon delivery of water to your vineyard. The drawback there of using soil moisture sensing technology obviously is you're trying to interpret what the vine has access to in terms of moisture based on a soil moisture reading. And that can often be erroneous because the soil moisture sensor may not be where the roots of the vine are. We've seen discrepancies in vine water status 
where there's been an irrigation event or there's been a rain event and the soil moisture sensor was somewhere where the roots weren't. So we tend to find that guiding irrigation based on a soil moisture sensor can be erroneous at times because of this mismatch between the location of the roots of the vine and the location of the soil moisture sensor. So the roots may be accessing water at depth beyond the soil moisture or somewhere in a different part of the soil horizon, if you will. So uh, that's a level of technology, I think, that is accessible and probably already implemented in most vineyards. And it can give you some indication of aspects of soil moisture at a given time. It can give you information on how quickly water is moving through the profile, particularly where you have multi-depth soil moisture sensors like capacitance probes. You can look at an irrigation event actually being applied, obviously at the surface levels of soil moisture, and then that trickling down at depth, looking at that pattern of infiltration. And you can also see when soil moisture actually has gone beyond your root system, essentially. So you can get an idea where the roots are based on where the water is getting taken up. And then you can get a sense of, you know, how much of that water is going past your root system. Obviously something you would want to avoid as a grower. You'd want to keep all your irrigation in the root system. So information about where the roots are at a given time of the season is also really important. So some of those multi-depth sensors can actually be really valuable in the sense that you can locate, you know, your position of the roots, at least on a vertical gradient, uh, not so much horizontally, unfortunately. And then also looking at, you know, if your irrigation has been successful in terms of being fully taken up by the root system rather than running past the root system, which is a waste of water. A soil moisture sensing technology is, is pervasive and it's effective, but it is erroneous because it relies on a premise that it's located where the roots are, which is not often the case. Vinay, so in simple terms, evapotranspiration is about understanding water demand from the environment and soil moisture probes help growers understand how water is moving through the soil. Earlier on, you explained that a vine's water needs change with its stage of growth. How can we understand how much water the vine is actually using at a point in time and how much is optimal for yield and quality? The, the new paradigm of understanding irrigation requirements in vineyards is around plant water sensing. And plant water sensing really is sensors that continuously measure the water status of grapevines and other plants. This is a beautiful strategy and for many different reasons. One is that the plant is the sensor and it's integrating both soil moisture levels as well as environmental conditions, the weather that we're talking about. And the plant is effectively responding to both of these things. It's integrating both of these things because it sits in between the soil and the environment. So interrogating the plant's water status actually then allows you to probably not measure the soil moisture anymore or not worry so much about how the environment is at the given time because the plant is actually responding to both of these things simultaneously. So new technology that's coming out looks at the plant's water status continuously over the day or, you know, over uh, a course of a day or over several days. And this sort of information can be used then to make a decision on when to start irrigating your vines. So when have we reached a threshold of stress that we feel like is an appropriate time to start the pump and start my irrigation? And then furthermore, we have to know how much to irrigate. So that requires a little bit of work on the part of the grower to understand how much irrigation actually translates to a change in the vine's water status through this sensor. So putting on two or three mils of irrigation, you know, what what is the change in the vine water status the following day upon irrigating that extent? 
Now, they can also couple uh, information from plant water sensors with soil moisture sensors, so they can actually get a quantitation of how much volume has gone into the soil that's available to the plant. And also they can look at how much water is being potentially removed through evapotranspiration. So an integrated view actually is perhaps the best way to go. If they had to only pick one strategy, I would say the plant sensor is now the best strategy out there. It's not the cheapest strategy, but it is the most accurate strategy in terms of getting links between vine water status and things like yield and things like berry quality or composition. So we've got some very good data, and there's also a lot of published data on this, where there are clear links between vine water status at different phenological stages and grower targets of, for example, yield or, for example, quality. So if the grower had the intention of producing maximum yield, well, you can set your water status thresholds of the plant to a certain value and then operate the irrigation system to make sure that you never get below that threshold. Essentially, you're keeping your vines well watered. Conversely, if you're looking at a target of quality, then you may be applying a level of deficit irrigation where the vines are put under a little bit of stress. Particularly after fruit set, we tend not to apply deficit irrigation before fruit set just to keep our crop levels as high as we can. And then triggering the irrigation system based on thresholds of vine water status. So when that vine gets into a bit of stress, whether that's because of a heat wave or an impending heat wave or the soil moisture getting drier, that's when the irrigation system comes on. So this is a new paradigm of irrigation scheduling that uses a fair bit of sophisticated technology using plant-based sensors. And in our own experience and research over the past three years, we found that these plant sensors can result in a water saving of between 40 and 60% without, again, affecting yield and, and without affecting important quality parameters like these polyphenols and anthocyanins in, in red grapes. There's a huge benefit here. And the benefit here over ET is that we can really drive and automate irrigation. So the electronic sensors measuring plant water status can be coupled through a feedback system to an irrigation pump. So you're actually literally setting your target at the beginning of the season and walking away. So you set and forget, and essentially the entire system is automated to give you your target, whether it's yield or quality or a combination of the two. That's something that's not feasible right now with an ET-based approach. And there's the difference in the two technologies. The technologies described by Dr. Vinay Pargay from the University of Adelaide offer significant advantages to growers. Some, though, come at significant cost. And the more money involved, the more people like to see in action what they're considering buying. That's where the Wine Australia demo farms can help. They're managed by Wine Australia's Ag Tech Program Manager, Dave Gurner, and he joins me in the studio. Dave, where can people go and see these irrigation systems? Hi, Drew. One of the challenges that Wine Australia has been faced with is, is setting up these demonstration farms, and we've got a series of these that we're establishing across the country. But to begin with, we've got demo farms in the Riverland, up in the Barossa Valley, and over in Orange in New South Wales. And... The whole idea of these demo farms is that growers can go and chat to other growers about their experience with ag tech, including irrigation systems. The grower-to-grower-led story, I think, is a lot more compelling. And, you know, we're really hoping that the growers who are demonstrating this technology on their farm have some really um, valuable insights to share with the rest of the industry about the return on investment from these technologies, how much water it's saving them, how does that affect their bottom line? And 
ultimately, how does it uh, help them improve and, and manage their yield and the quality of their fruit? For irrigation systems, we've partnered with uh, Swan Systems. They're a Perth-based company, but with a, a presence all across Australia. And people will be able to see Swan's platform working on a site linked with capacitance probes, irrigation probes, soil moisture sensors, etc., and see how that data is being used for irrigation scheduling. Dave, it sounds like you're developing some great facilities for producers to go and see a lot of this irrigation tech in action. Dave Gurner, Wine Australia's Ag Tech Program Manager, thanks for joining me in the ASVO studio. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Drew. And if you'd like more information about irrigation management and scheduling, you can visit the Wine Australia website at wineaustralia.com and search on irrigation for links to the latest research, articles and fact sheets. This ASVO podcast is part of a series funded by Wine Australia. ASVO's mission is to advance technical knowledge and promote excellence. For more information, visit asvo.com.au.